Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. I think Jesus is looking to put his right hand on you, on your shoulder, and say, hey, look, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. I'm the one who died and am alive. Look, I'm alive right now. Jesus is alive. He's alive. And he's, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, John, John chapter 14 would even tell us that he is preparing. He's actively preparing a place for us right now. So this Jesus that we serve is alive and well. When we read the Bible, we can see someone who has great faith in one setting, but little faith in another. Peter is a great example of someone who had a great, bold faith in one moment, and then in the next, he was cowering in fear. In today's message, Pastor James shares about the certainty that we have in Jesus. He made a promise that he would never leave or forsake us. Our life is a constant walk of learning to trust the Lord and his promises with every next step. Do you trust him with your next step? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Don't miss this. It's not just in the reading and it's not just in the hearing, but it's in the doing. Right, so there's obviously some practical application that can be found through Revelation, okay? So listening to somebody read the book of Revelation to you, which you'll get from me, not all today, of course not, but uh, over a course of time, or even just sitting down and reading it yourself or or downloading the Bible app on your phone and listening audible to to the book of Revelation, you know, somebody else reading it to you, whatever way, you're gonna be blessed by this book, okay? but even more so when you do the word of God, not just hearers, but doers, okay? So he says, who obey what it says, for the time is near when these things will happen. So it's, we're like on the doorstep, okay? And if, if, if you don't believe that, well, I don't know, I don't know what's going on in your life. You know, keep your eyes open, pay attention to what's going on within our world. Do not be afraid of the events that are happening in the world. Also, don't be distracted from things that, could be uh, prying your attention away from Jesus and maybe even some heads ups that that he's given us, we could very well be at the doorstep of the return of Jesus. And again, that's not something to make us afraid. If you're a believer, that should encourage you. Um, That should encourage you. And not only just because like, well, man, he'll rapture us out of here and and I'm done. I'm done with this world. I'm done with all the drama. I'm done with all the viruses and all that stuff. You know, that's part of it. That's, That's a blessing for sure. But should also spur within us uh, a desire to want to just to share with people the gospel. Okay, so um, he's coming back soon. So let's 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 not forget we're still on a mission. Okay, he still expects his church, his sons and daughters to uh, to go and make disciples. Okay, so let's figure out how to do that right now um, as we see this day coming. So he goes on. That's just like the prologue. Okay, the little intro. Here's the greeting. Okay, John, it says, this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, okay? And this province of Asia technically could be within the, uh, the region of like modern day Turkey, okay? It says, grace and peace from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. The one who, who is, who was, and still to come, okay? 
we'll, we're going to hit that in just a second again. Okay, well, that'll come back up in one second. So the one who is, the one who always was, the one who's still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the commander of all the rulers of the world. Well, that's a fascinating thing right there. He's top dog, okay? He's chief, okay? But it's saying this. Uh, so there's, there's a few hints there. It's, he's prophet, priest, king, which is true. All three of those things are true of Jesus, okay? The one who, who's a faithful witness, that, that could be hinting that, you know, he's a pro, he's, he, he is the ultimate prophet, right? Um, the first to rise from the dead, there, him being like the priest. And, and we understand that from his perfectly lived out life here on this planet and his, his sacrifice on the cross for us, uh, making a way for us. And uh, through that sacrifice on the cross and through his raising from the dead, and then also the commander of all the rulers of the world. Okay, so he's the king. He's king of kings, lord of lords. It also means that he's in total control of what's happening within our world. He goes on to say, so he's, he's Jesus is the man, right? Period. Like, done. He's the man. Okay? It says, all praise to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. Okay? So uh, there you go. Just how, how amazing is Jesus? Okay, so he's... He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He's the one who has, um, who has loved us. That's first, okay? First, He loves us. He loves you. Uh, the second thing is this. He has freed us from our sins, okay? And the, the third thing is through the shedding of His blood. That's where the freedom comes from, okay? It says, He has made us His kingdom and His priests who serve before God, the, before God His Father, giving him, uh, give to him everlasting glory. He rules forever and ever. Amen. Okay. So he loves you. He's freed you and he's made you into a, as, as Peter would say, you're, you're part of a, a royal priesthood. Okay. So you're, you're part of this body. He's made us his kingdom, his priests who serve before God. Now, this is all tremendous things. And again, if you want to go deeper into that, um, there's a ton of resources that are out there. Uh, be careful, be cautious on, especially when it comes to Revelation, who you're going to gather your information from. I would recommend Blue Letter Bible, blueletterbible.org, I think it is. I just punch in Blue Letter Bible, but um, there's some pretty solid dudes, commentators on there. So he loves you and he sets you free through his sacrifice. Just amazing. What other religious leader has even offered to do that? What other story do we have where the hero of the story dies for the villain? You don't have that. I mean, this is exactly what Jesus did for us. When he came and lived a sinless, perfect life on this earth and then died on the cross, it was the hero, the ultimate hero, dying for the ultimate villain, which is me, which is you, okay? We were his enemies. We were his enemies. Yet, even while we were his enemies... Christ died for us, which is incredible. And why would he do that? Well, because he loves us. Uh, we know that from John, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who, who should ever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, okay? It was love. It was his love for us. That, that alone should just blow our minds, okay? His love for you is what spurred on the, this rescue mission. So pretty cool stuff. All right, I got to keep going because my, I'm watching my clock. We got a lot more to cover here. So it goes on to say, verse 7, look or behold, okay? He comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him. Now, how is that possible, right? Like, he comes in the cloud of heaven. How, how is it possible for, well, like, you know, I would even say, like, 
20, 30 years ago, this would be a difficult verse to kind of process. But now it's, we are so connected globally. Now we're going to see another later on in Revelation, we'll, we'll see this really kind of take fruition as well. But it says, look, he comes in the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, right? So, or those who are guilty uh, of, you know, placing him on the cross. Again, just a little side note there. I, I was part of that guilty party. It says, and the nations of earth will weep because of him. Yes, amen. Verse 8. Here's when he speaks. I am the Alpha and the Omega, uh, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I'm the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Basically this, um, he, he always has been, he always will be. Uh, there, is no, there is no changing within him, okay? God is eternal. He's eternal. So he doesn't have a start, and he doesn't have an end. He is eternal, Verse 9, here's the vision that John talks about. It says, I am John, your brother. In Jesus, we are partners in suffering. John knows a lot about suffering, okay? He says, and in the kingdom, and in the kingdom, and in patient endurance. So we got suffering, we got the kingdom, and we have patient endurance. Those are three common commonalities within believers. And John is speaking to his audience at, at this point in time. You need to understand that. They were suffering tremendously. And they needed to be reminded and encouraged by John that they were part of the kingdom, not just man's kingdom or anything like that, but they were part of Jesus's established kingdom. And they needed to patiently endure. Okay, so times were very difficult for these guys. And I, I would say that what we're experiencing right now, even, you know, across, across this, you know, the United States of America, where some states are making it very difficult for churches to open back up and, and all that good stuff. What we're facing is, is in nowhere near anything that these guys are facing when this letter was written, okay? So John, is, he's, he's, a, he's letting these guys know. He's like, look, we, 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 share in, we share in suffering. We share in the fact that we're in the kingdom, and you know, we, this, we need this patient endurance. We need, to, we need to keep on keeping on, okay? It says, I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for speaking about Jesus, okay? So that's why he got... He got in prison because he preached the word and he talked about Jesus. Um, and I can think of no better reason to get locked up, right? So we have brothers and sisters right now on this planet who are behind bars because they preach the word of God and because they talk about Jesus. So this, this still happens today. And they're not, please understand that when I reference those guys, they're not also, they're not in prison because... Um, uh, because they're knuckleheads or they're jerks or anything like that. I mean, they are legitimately cry following Jesus Christ, and they're just men are just faithfully telling people about Jesus and His beautiful gospel, and that is seen as a threat. And, and, and so they are suffering because of that. It's not because they're walking around and uh, you know holding up their Bibles and, and you know uh, you know yelling at people or anything like that. These are people who are just they're just faithfully serving the Lord Jesus. And maybe it's in China in their home or, or somewhere else um, and their door gets kicked down and they get dragged off to jail. Because why? Because they represent Jesus. So John was, uh, was um, sent there. This is a 17 square mile island of Patmos. Um, this is where he receives this vision. Okay. Says, uh, he goes on to say, for preaching the word and for speaking about Jesus, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Like, like this dude's crazy. So 
He has been sentenced to, uh, he's been exiled to the island of Patmos. And what's he doing? He's just like, it's like, that's, you know, it's, uh, it's the Lord's day, church day. So what am I, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to worship Jesus because, because this is who I am. That's, that's who I am. That's what I do. But you've, you've experienced tremendous suffering, and now you're on this island because of Jesus. And he's like, yeah, of course, but I will still worship him. I will still praise him, right? That was his attitude. That was his mentality. And he says, so when I was doing that, as I was worshiping in the Spirit, suddenly I, I heard a loud voice from behind me, a voice that sounded like a trumpet blast. It said, write down what you see and send it to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Okay, so we're going to be dealing with seven churches. That'll be chapters two and three. It says, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands, which is kind of fascinating, seven golden lampstands, not one golden lampstand or one menorah with seven branches coming off of it, but seven menorahs golden menorahs or golden lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a, a gold sash across his chest, and his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were bright like flames of fire. His feet were as bright as bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like a mighty ocean wave. Well, that's such a cool verse, right? An ocean wave or, or maybe uh, liken it to a, a waterfall. Just very powerful, okay? Very powerful. So here's John just chilling out on this island, um, probably not sitting in like a, you know, a beach chair or anything like that. He's, he's just, he's all by himself exiled onto this island. And as he's worshiping God, he hears a voice from behind him saying, hey, I'm going to need you to write down everything that you're about to see. Turns and looks, and, and there's Jesus in his glorified state. His, his, his head and his, his hair, he's wearing this long robe uh, with a gold sash across it. His head and his hair were, like, were white like wool, which is kind of cool. You can't see mine, but mine's getting there. Okay, you can see it right here. Uh, pretty soon, all this will be white like wool, I'm sure, especially as the third of of my four kids is now going to be a teenager in a couple of weeks. All this will probably change pretty quickly. But Jesus isn't, he's not white-headed because of stress. Um, this is speaking of just like his glory, okay? Uh, just tremendous. Here he is, he's just standing there and, and, and John just turns around and he's just like, man, long robe, gold sash, white hair, white, I mean, his face is shining is basically what that's saying as well. It's just like, it's like looking at the sun, okay? It's just bright, it's beaming. It says his eyes were bright like flames of fire. Oftentimes, Old Testament times, the fire is a reference of, um, could be a reference of purification. And then his feet with the, the brightest bronze, yeah, refined in the furnace, it speaks of that judgment. So here's Jesus and he's here uh, to do business, okay? This isn't like passive hippie Jesus or, you know, or sometimes as he's been betrayed, it's like just, you know, sweet and gentle, which he's amazingly gentle for sure. But this is a different side of Jesus. Okay. So here he is. Eyes, flames of fire. His feet were bright as bronze refined in the furnace and his voice thundered like a mighty ocean. He held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. No, not, not literally. I think we understand that, right? Like he's not, his sword's not literally coming out of his mouth, um, but there's power. And uh, in the word of God, it's like a double-edged sword, okay? So he speaks the word, speaks truth. 
It has power. It has effect. It, it has the ability to do what it what needs to be done. Okay. So he's got these these seven stars in his right hand. The sharp two edged sword came from his mouth, and his fight his face was bright as the sun in all its brilliance. Okay. So John is just like blinded by this uh, and, and amazed at the same time. Here's John's response. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Right. So that should be your response. Okay. If you encounter Jesus. Right, your your response should will not be um, one of like you know just uh, hey you know give him a bro hug and all that good stuff. No, you're on your face. You're on your face. You're not falling on your back. You're falling on your face. Okay, in reverence, in worship is what's happening there. So here's John, a guy who spent time with Jesus and got a glimpse of this resurrected Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration turns around and sees him, and and his immediate reaction is on his face. And he's on his face. He he says, I fell at at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one who died. Look, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and the grave. And John got to see the resurrected Jesus. He, he had already had encountered the resurrected Jesus. But, but here he is. John is just floored. He's on his face before the Lord Jesus. And, and here's the beauty of Jesus. He comes in and he puts his right hand on John. And he says, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I think that's a good word for you and I today, right? You want to you wanna fix your eyes on Jesus because he's got this, this message that has been, it's been repeated so much through the, through the entirety of the scriptures. It's the most common command found in the Bible, I think mentioned 365 times, fear not or do not be afraid. It's a common message because it's a common problem for us as human beings. We are fearful, okay? Things overwhelm us all the time. We're living in a, in a current state of fear and panic. And I think Jesus is looking to put his right hand on you, on your shoulder, and say, hey, look, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. I'm the one who died and am alive. Look, I'm alive right now. Jesus is alive. He's alive. And he's, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, John, John chapter 14 would even tell us that he is preparing. He's actively preparing a place for us right now. So this Jesus that we serve is alive and well. And he's encouraging John. I'm alive. And, and I hold the keys to death and the grave. I hold the keys to death and the grave is what Jesus is saying. Verse 19, write down what you have seen, both the things that are happening now and the things that will happen later. So that's a verse I referenced earlier. Okay, the whole outline to this book says, I want you to go ahead and just everything that you see, you're going to be writing these things down. He goes on to say, this is the meaning of the seven stars you saw on my right hand, right? Because that's the thing where you're like, well, what does that even mean? Well, praise God that the Bible tells us, okay? So the seven stars you saw on my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels uh, of the seven churches. Or the, the other way to, to translate that is the messengers. So it could be like the pastors, right? The messengers. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, is this speaking of just like seven specific churches for one time? Or is it talking about a time period that each church represents a certain time period of human history? Um, you know, 
it, all that, all those questions. We'll, we'll address those in the next couple of chapters. But Jesus is, is letting him know. He's like, look, I'm holding these seven stars. These are my messengers. These lampstands, the seven menorahs that I'm surrounded by, he's in the middle of them, okay? So that's key too. Jesus is the center of the menorahs, right? You need to get that. If, I don't know what, you may go to another church or something like that. I hope and I pray that your church is centered on Jesus Christ himself, that your church is about Jesus and that your church is about the word of God, okay? And that your church is about the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? Your church has to be centered around him, okay? That's our goal as Calvary Galveston. We want to be centered around Jesus, okay? Um, Because the church belongs to him. And just so we see within there, um, here's Jesus who is, his face is shining bright. His hair is as white as wool. He's got this robe on with the gold, with the gold stash across there. His eyes are a flame of fire. His feet are bronze, freshly polished bronze from, from the furnace. And he's holding the seven stars in his hand. And he's in the midst of the seven churches, okay? So what we need to understand about that is the church belongs to the Lord. The church belongs to the Lord, all right? It's his. And the first judgment that we're going to be dealing with within Revelation starts with the church, okay? So Revelation chapter 2, chapter 3, and as we go through each letter that was written to the seven churches, judgment starts first with the church. We need to understand that, and we should be okay with that. So don't think that, you know, as the church that somehow we're exempt from judgment because we're not. Now, we won't experience to the degree that we will see played out in the book of Revelation. And we'll talk about that in great detail too, as far as like, well, well, is the church going to even experience that stuff? We'll talk at that in greater detail in a couple of weeks. But we need to understand that the Lord has every right to clean house when it comes to his church. And when it comes to, and I'm not talking about physical buildings, I'm talking about the people. And I'm talking about you as an individual, myself as an individual. Um, the Lord has every right to come into my life and clean house, so to speak, because things will creep into my heart. Things will creep into my mind. And the Lord has every right to show up and say, hey, where are we at? What's going on? Has your love for me gone cold? You know, I mean, each, each letter that is written to those seven churches, I believe can be applied personally to the individual, can be applied to churches nowadays, can certainly be applied to different eras of of human history for sure. But we need to know that Jesus shows up and he is going to start judging and he starts with his church. And, uh, And that's a good thing. That really is a good thing. So that's what we're going to be going through. So I kind of laid it out for you guys. I know I, I kind of I went through that hopefully pretty quickly. Do some research. Read through the book. Okay, there, there's your homework assignment. Read through the book of Revelation. You'll be blessed because of it. I just read that verse, right? So you'll be blessed if you do it. Take down notes. Keep a little notebook beside you um, or keep a pen on you. Write notes in your Bible. Underline verses. Put stars by verses. Do whatever you got to do. Put little reminders in there of like, man, I, Lord, help me, to, help me to do this. Help me to get better at that. Help, help this not to be true of me, right? Go through it and seek how you can apply the Word of God in your life daily. And the best way to do that is just to start off by just praying and saying, all right, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. You're the teacher. So teach me as I open up this book that is kind of mysterious to me in one sense. Teach me what it is that you want me to do, right? And and there's no better teacher than the Holy Spirit, and He'll do that. 
Revelation isn't just a dream that John made up to entertain or scare people, but yet I wonder what we feel about the last book of the Bible. John's vision of what he saw in the heavens offers many details and signs about what we can expect to come in the future. I take comfort in these words found in Revelation 21.4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Oh, what a glorious day that is going to be. Are you ready, friends, for Jesus to return? If you have questions regarding today's message, would you let us know by visiting breadforthebroken.com and submitting your question through email? We look forward to answering your questions and praying for you as well. There's loads of messages from Pastor James Grizzle to be found, so don't navigate away from breadforthebroken.com until you've perused them at your leisure. They're to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, to encourage and uplift you as you navigate the storms that life throws at you, because we know how rough life gets sometimes. Are you looking for a church to call home, one that's genuine, simple, and uncomplicated? Well, guess what? You found it here with us at Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m., you can find us studying God's Word together. So, would you make some plans to come join us? We sure hope so. We trust that you've been blessed by this edition of Bread for the Broken. See you next time. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.